Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Joni Wolfswinkle on the Rider Flex podcast. Hi, Joni. How you doing? I'm well. How are you doing? I love your studio. You're, you're all set up. It's very cool. Thank you. Is that uh, is that in your Houston office or where, where is that? It is in our Houston office. Uh, we have a little studio. We have obviously our podcast inside the Wolf's Den. So we record in here once a week. So I thought, hey, why not share this with you as well? Oh, I love it. I wish all of our guests came set up like that with the lighting and the mic and everything. It's great. I love it. Uh, is yeah, that, the, cool. did you put that, you got the little soundproof or not soundproof, but whatever that is, the little, the little things that help with the audio on the wall. And you got, hell, you got a cameraman in there too. You got yeah, like a, I do. You got and I was gonna say, so my cameraman, he's actually in the back background here and he's the one that makes it happen every day. He's the one that kind of designed all this. So it wasn't me. It was him. Love it. Okay. So for any, everybody listening to this episode, <clears throat> This is what you need to do. Set up a, your little studio <laughs> in your office with great lighting, great sound. It just makes a huge difference, doesn't it? I mean, it does. It doesn't have to be like super perfect, but gosh, just the lighting and the audio is just, yeah. Yeah. And yours looks great. So appreciate you uh, being set up. I love that. Uh, Thanks. Inside the Wolf's Den. That's your own podcast, huh? It is. Yeah. So it's um, actually a podcast my husband and I have um, created and it's uh, about our entrepreneurial journey. So we have a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs on our podcast. Um, I mean, we obviously specialize in real estate. So a lot of real estate investors and just try to provide as much value as we can to our listeners. Just like I you. love it. I love it. By the way, for, uh, yeah, for everybody that's uh, listening here, you can, uh, Go to YouTube inside the Wolf's Den. I'm assuming you're on Spotify and all the audio stuff too. Yes, just... um, Spotify, Apple, uh, YouTube, all of that. Okay, and what uh, what are you doing? Like one episode a week, a day, a month? What's your what's your rhythm? So we do one a week. Um, they drop every Wednesday. So yeah, check us out. We're pretty much on every major platform. Every Wednesday. Okay, very good. Uh, and it's you and your husband Sean. Okay, he's the good looking guy on there. I was wondering who that yes. was. Yes, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's my other half. Okay. And then you guys have guests that you pipe in uh, via video. Sometimes they're in person too, or no? Sometimes they're in person. If they're in Houston, you know, in the area, we'll have them come on in. Obviously we, we like it when they come in, you know, since COVID we've all had to do everything remotely. So it's cool, but it's nice to have somebody here every now and then in our office. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It is nice to see people in person. Let me ask yeah. you, uh, uh, is it only, entrepreneurs tied to real estate or do you venture out a little bit? So we venture out a little bit. So we talk a lot about motivation too. It just depends on what we're feeling that week. Like, yeah, you know, I just recently got done with the fitness competition. So I shared a little bit of my story with the fitness competition and what that all, um, what all, that all entailed and how disciplined I had to be, you know, all that good stuff. So it's a, a little bit for everybody really. 
Okay. What was the fitness competition? What'd you do? So it was in September. So last year I actually had this goal where I wanted to be the fittest I've ever been. Right. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do this thing. Well, I had to change my eating habits and I have to probably hire a trainer. And I was like, you know what, if I'm going to commit to this thing, I'm going to go ahead and commit to it. And I'm going to sign myself up for a fitness competition. So I signed myself up for a bikini competition that was done in September. What? Um, Yeah, it was, (laughs) it was totally amazing. I mean, it really showed like how disciplined and focused I could be. Uh, it, it was great. It was great. I loved it. And my husband was about to, he's like, I can't do this anymore, Joni. I can't have chicken, oh. rice, <laughs> and vegetables every single day. I can't do this anymore. But um, the experience was awesome. And it really showed like how disciplined I could be. So I think awesome. when you, I, I think when you share stuff like that on your podcast, it's great. I think, I think listeners love the personal touch, by the way, was, was Sean, is he working out every day too, or he's not? He is now, yeah. He's working out every day. I mean, he's not as crazy as I am obviously, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's got his rhythm too. So I think that's part well, of it. Well, there's pressure. Yeah. Because now you're looking, you're, you're looking awesome. Right. So he can't, he can't be like, okay, I'm just going to sit around the couch, couch and eat chips and, Right. He's yeah, like, no, uh, I, I push you. I'm like, hey, we gotta get this done. <laughs> Five a.m. We gotta get this done. Uh, very good. Let me. I want to ask you about your your childhood and your parents and where you grew up. Give me give me some history. Yeah, talk to me. Yeah, a bit. I'd love to. So so I'm actually born in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Okay. Um, had a little bit of a rough upbringing, I would say. So my mom, she was a single mom. You know, she raised my my brother and I. And my father left when I was two years old. My mom basically Mm. said, hey, you're out. He was a heroin addict. Mm. Um, And so she raised us on her own. And then um, later on in life, uh, you know, um, my brother ended up following the same footsteps as Mm. my father. Mm. And so it was tough. It was tough growing up, you know. Um, And I think at that point, probably about 11 or 12 years old, I was like, you know what? I can't do this. Like, I am not going to follow that same path as my brother and my father. And so um, I had this fear that I was almost, you know, like under pressure that I was going to be like that. And so I just said, hey, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do anything I can to get out of this. So I think that drive in me started at about 11 or 12 years old. Um, Got my first job at like 15 years old. I was working at Taco Bell, you know, and my friends would come by and and, and buy some burritos or whatever, and I would be working. Um, And then about 19, when I went to college, I went to the University of New Mexico. And um, at the time, I was actually going into nursing school, and I hated it, absolutely hated it. And uh, at that time, I said, you know what? I saw a late night infomercial, it was a real estate infomercial. Right. And um, it was Russ Whitney at the time. And they were showing us how you can make money, flipping houses, all that good stuff. I was like, you yeah. know, what? This, this sounds pretty cool. I think that, you know, let, let's go check it out. So my fiance at the time, where he's my husband now, we went to this three day boot camp and we're like, yeah, I think we can do this. So 19 years old, we're buying our first real estate property. Right. Wow. Um, wow. And then I was like, School was like uh, I'm I'm done with school. Like I need to do school time. So I was it a was it a residential or commercial property? The first it was a residential property. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so I would and I still stuck with school for a little bit. I would go and check our job sites and then go to school in the afternoon. Um, But it just was a not the typical college experience. Um, What um what what is your mom uh, still in New Mexico? She is still in New Mexico. Yes. So she's been my 
biggest advocate and okay. you know my biggest cheerleader um cool. cool she's doing great she actually raises my three nieces so my brother ended up passing away um oh, sorry. obviously uh, from I'm the addiction sorry. Uh, and sorry. she raises my three nieces which they are doing amazing and um that's just our whoa how how old are they so my oldest is 17 and she uh the middle one is 15 and 13. So they're did all your mom teenagers did, now. Yeah, that's okay. Whew, three teenage girls in the house. All right. Yeah, that's a challenge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what did your mom remarry? She did. So my stepdad, um, which he was really considered my father, obviously, like uh, she met oh, okay. him when I was probably 15 years old. So, okay. um, you know, she he he didn't have any kids of his own, which is I mean, he's amazing. Um, and raised us, kind of adopted us, took us in under his wing and provided for us. So yeah, he was, he was there as well. Let me just set, okay, for the listeners, let's let that sink in for a minute. So he marries your mom, you and your brother at the time were teenagers. So first of all, first of all, taking on teenagers as stepchildren is a tough job. And then he gets you guys done there. And then, then they decide to adopt, uh, their grandchildren and raise them. And they're all teenagers. Woo, man. Yeah. Your mom's, your mom's tough. Your mom's brave. Yeah. She, yeah, she, and that's, that's kind of where I get it from is that I, that woman is nothing is going to beat her down. Like she's be, wow. been beaten down so much. And this late, this woman just gets right back up and keeps fighting. So wow. I wow. think that's kind of where I get my fight in me. Okay. Kudos to mom. What about your dad? Where's he, is your dad passed or where's he at? So my dad passed, obviously he um, passed okay. away about five years ago um, of his addiction. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and, and I go back and forth every once in a while, I didn't really have a relationship with him at all. Um, okay. you know, didn't agree with, uh, obviously how he treated my mother. And so, um, I did finally show up to his funeral when he did pass, you know, just to, to give my peace to the family and whatnot, but mm -hmm. you just never forget those memories. Right. Does it um, have an effect on you now as an adult with uh, wine or alcohol or cannabis or uh, any other recreational drugs? Are, are you super sensitive about that now? Are you what's it? How did that shape you? I'm just curious. Yeah. And, you know, um, how it shaped me. So friends or, you know, colleagues that may that talk about it and kind mm -hmm. of loosely like, you know, that sometimes gets me upset. I have a totally different out, you know, I, I, I don't agree with it at all. And so, okay. yeah, I do drink occasionally and whatnot, but you know, as far as like the drugs go, like it, it really scares me, you know, like well, that's I just imagine. something that yes, I have yes. never, ever even touched in my life because seeing what my brother went through and seeing mm. what my father went through, I didn't mm. ever want to touch it. So I was mm. a scaredy cat when it came to like my friends, you know, everybody, mm. I'm sure like when they're younger, you know, you, you experiment with things and um i was always the one to you know what i'm not gonna follow you like i'm not a follower i'm mm. leading my own way and um you know and and i've just always been like that i've always okay. stayed away from it very good how did you meet your husband so funny story so we're actually high school sweethearts so oh. and oh. he's actually a yeah so we met at 15 years old i was going to saint michael's high school in santa fe okay. and he was also going there I same didn't age same, Same age. age. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. All uh, right. I didn't have a whole lot of friends, you know, going to, I actually went from a public school to a Catholic school. 
So going there, I didn't really have a whole lot of friends and he was kind of, you know, loner and shy himself. And so for whatever reason, like we kind of gravitated to each other and we were like best friends. So, um, you know, I think he pushed me, helped me along the way. And I pushed him out of his comfort zone because he was shy. I was a little more outgoing. So it really together, we kind of created this thing and, and Hey, we have an amazing business together and been married for 18 years and together 25 years. So it just worked for us. Wow. Congratulations. You guys don't look that old. I mean, damn, uh, you know, uh, uh, okay. Um, you never broke up. Like there was never like, okay, well, this year we did, you didn't have any like separations in there. Oh yeah, we did. We had, ton- we have a- had a couple of them, especially in college. <laughs> right. Especially. So when, when I graduated from high school, I told my mom, Hey, I'm out. Like once I turn 18, I'm out of the house. Right. And she's like, well, what do you mean you're out of the house? Well, now you have to provide for yourself because no longer I'm going to provide for you. I said, no worries. (laughs) You know, I got this, you know, I I think that I I have everything. And so um, I move in with him and his mom is just like, oh my gosh, like this is not happening. She was not because she's super strict, super strict Catholic. She was actually a doctor. So she was an OBGYN in Santa Fe. Um, And so he had, you know, he was kind of born with a silver spoon in his mouth. So, Oh, Sean, did you hear that? Sean, did you hear that, Sean? Okay, Sean, you that's (laughs) yeah. And so, um, but she didn't agree with it at all, but we ended up moving in together Um, Of course, you know, you don't know what you don't know when you move in together. (laughs) So had plenty of fights there. Um, You know, a couple of times we broke up, but at the end of the day, we kept coming back to get together. So good for you. Good for you. Any kids yet? Do I have two? I have a 11 year old boy and a seven year old girl. Okay, very good. Not teenagers yet, but uh, they're they're headed that way. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, They're so awesome before they hit puberty. They're, They're just great. Like, from like uh, three to eleven, they're really awesome, and then yeah. after that, it starts uh, getting weird. <laughs> well, I don't know. So our daughter, our son was like easy, like that kid, okay. like really smart. He's very disciplined. He's you know an overachiever. Um, and our daughter, she's just like me. She's kind of like this. Um, fiery little girl, you know? And so every once in a while, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's going to be just like me. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> uh, awesome. Congratulations on your two beautiful children and being with Sean for so long. That's great. Thank great you. story. Appreciate you. Appreciate you sharing the, the personal stuff with me. Okay. So yeah. you got, did Sean, he didn't finish school, did he? He, he didn't go to he college. Did. He, yeah, oh, he oh. did. He actually, so he was actually going into engineering school. He was going to be a mechanical engineer at the okay. University of New Mexico okay. and had straight A's. The guy had like four point whatever, you know, grade point average. And mm. Uh, mm. then he decided, you know what, this real estate thing looks good too. I don't think I want to be an engineer. So he ended up actually going into business school. So he went to, into entrepreneurial studies. <laughs> he actually did better in engineering than, than business because he never went to school. Don't tell him I told you that. But <laughs> no, but he, he did a lot better in, in engineering, but yeah, he, he got his entrepreneurial studies degree. Okay. Very good. By the way, what is Wolf's Winkle? What's the, what's the origin of that? It's, is, Dutch. Yeah. it's, it's Dutch. Dutch. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I was curious. Okay. Um, all right. So you guys get this, you, you go to this boot camp. You, you somehow you you have enough money to buy your first house that you're going to plan on flipping. Was it a, was it a plan? Like, okay, we're going to flip this. Yeah. So let me tell you the story on that. Right. So we didn't right. have any money at all. <laughs> we had a credit card. 
And so we actually, on our first house, we actually put a down payment on using our credit card, like a cash advance. And, um, and actually uh, leading up to this boot camp. So when we went to the University of New Mexico, we went on what's called a lottery scholarship. So all you had to do is graduate from high school with a 2.5 degree in New Mexico, and then you can go to college full ride oh. scholarship. What? Right? And okay. yeah, and That's so awesome. it, was, it was a no brainer. <laughs> like it would be stupid not to go to college. So yes. Sean yes. and I, that's what we did. We went to UNM on a full ride scholarship. Uh, well, Sean's parents, he had actually set aside a college fund for him. Um, and so he actually didn't use that college fund for college. So he had that saved in there. And he's mm. like, you know what? Mm. There is a, the boot camp, you, there was like, you had to pay like $40,000 or something for the boot what? camp. What? That's how, the yeah, boot camp was $40,000? Yes. And it had all these like boot camps in it, like a foreclosure boot camp, a wholesale boot camp. Um, a notebook camp. And we're like, you know what? Let's go all in. So Whoa. he used his college fund for the boot camp. And his mom was not happy about that. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> so he spent all the money that we had on the boot camp. And then, um, you know, once we bought our first property, we had our credit card to put that on the down payment on. Oh, wow. Now you've mentioned his mom a few times. Is his dad still around too? Yes. Dad's still around as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. All right. Wow, forty thousand dollars for a boot camp? Okay, I didn't know. I mean, I knew about these boot camps, but I didn't know they were that expensive. Okay, oh, so they're, yeah, they're expensive. Wow. All right. So you get the first house, and how much? How long did it take you to flip it, and how much money did you make on that first one? I'm just curious. So the first that we actually made fifteen thousand dollars on the first one. Total and profit. That, pro, pro, total profit on that. Profit, deal yeah, just wholesaling. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. And it, I mean, that was at that time that was a lot of money, right? I mean, where did you Where did you get the cash to do the improvements? How'd you so do we that? We didn't do any improvements. Oh. Oh. We prehabbed it. So him and I went out there and we, you know, uh, painted a little bit and and, and kind of cleaned it up to make it look good. And then we just sold it to another investor. So, oh, wow. we, we, right. yeah, we didn't do anything to it, which is pretty amazing. At that point, we're like, holy cow, we just made $15,000 on this property. Like, that was my addiction, I think, was that, right? It's like, uh, we can do this again and we can do this again. So, now let me ask you. Now let me just. Uh, I'm thinking for a second. Okay, now at that time you're living together. Were you married when you did the fit? When you did the first flip? No, no. Okay. We, we were we were living together, not married. Okay, so but you had the cash for the boot camp, which you spent. You put the house on the credit card. How were you? How were you paying for food and rent? Otherwise, did you guys both have both have part time jobs right there, or how did that? Yeah. Work? So so I actually had um, two uh, jobs. I was actually a server at. TGI Friday. So I would actually go in from like, you know, six to like closing. Right. Okay. And, okay. um, and then during the day I did some babysitting on the side, that kind of thing. But up until the point where we made enough money, where we had, I got rid of the babysitting job. Okay. Um, and then I was just a server until we made more money where I can quit my job. Now, right there, let's just take a Let's just take a pause for the listeners right there. Here, here is a good example of an entrepreneurial couple doing whatever they have to do to get this thing going. Joni's working two jobs. They're taking a major risk on putting the 40 grand in the boot camp. So they're taking huge risks. They're working their ass off. They're going over there. I don't know, at night or in the weekend, paint, painting this house thinking, holy shit, we just put this on our credit card. I hope this thing flips because we got to have to pay that credit card off. <laughs> right. 
Oh, wow. That is a good story because right. And you're not married yet. So there's gotta be a little bit of, uh, maybe sometimes at night you're like, okay, is this going to work? Like, is this the right, is this the guy for me? Is this going to, like, is, I mean, there's a yeah. bunch of risks right there. Yeah. And, you know, but growing up the way that I grew up, I had a ton of, I mean, you know, oh, okay. I mean, it, my childhood was not the best and I had, you know, risks all the time with my brother and my father. So yeah. I don't know, for me, it was okay. just like, you know, I'm, I'm digging in this. I'm, I, I, I don't care. Like whatever happens, what <laughs> could I lose at this point? Yeah. You had nothing to lose. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, that is that's such a cool story. Okay, now jump us jump us forward a little bit. I know it's a longer how you got it built up because you guys have been doing this for how long have you had the business? 13 so years? uh yeah. 25 years. So we've been 25 years. Was it called real property management at first, or did you go through a couple of uh, different branding uh, moves there? We've been through a couple of branding. So when we were in New Mexico, it was called Mountain View Properties, obviously the mountains, you know. I see. And then when we moved to Texas, that's when we called it Texas Turnkey Properties. And then um, our property management company, we bought a franchise, which is real property management. Oh, I see. It's a franchise. Why did you move to Texas for the franchise purchase? So no. So going back a little bit. So part of the boot camps that we were all doing we really, really loved the pre-foreclosure market. So basically okay. in the pre-foreclosure market, this was back in probably like 2008 and 2009. Remember when the market was trying, it was starting to change. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of foreclosures yeah. during that time, yes. right? Oh, yes. So yes. Yes. Sean and I actually got into pre-foreclosure investing. So we would, a nice young couple, we would knock on doors and help homeowners that were in foreclosure get out of their, you know, their situation and help them that we purchase their houses. Right. Now, how does um, that, okay. Can you give me the layman's terms? How does that work? What, what does that mean? Like you had a list, you know, they're about to go into foreclosure and you just knock on the door and you're like, Hey, uh, I can help you. <laughs> right. So that's basically what it is. Yeah. So we, um, we create in New Mexico, we created our own list. So we would go down to the courthouse once a week. We would see all the people that were on the foreclosure list and, you know, we would create a database for ourselves and then that would be our database to, you know, knock on their door and say, hey, you know, Mr. Smith, I see that you're on the foreclosure list. You know, I would like to come and help you out with your house. So a lot of them didn't know how they were going to make the payments and rather have them having a foreclosure on their record, we would help them. We purchase their houses for them. We give them some money so they can move on. Um, and it was a win-win for both of us. So, and, and then you'd flip it and then you'd flip it. We would fix it up and then we'd flip it. Yes. Wow. Did you ever uh, knock on a door and somebody's like, Hey, get the hell out of here. Oh yeah. Well, that. Yeah, that was actually like real life training. So fast forward, we actually, so in, in New Mexico, it was a judicial process. So anytime a property goes up to foreclosure, it can take anywhere from six to 12 months to get auctioned off. Right. Because you have okay. to go through the, the judicial process. Okay. The judge okay. has to award that. Where in Texas, it's a lot quicker. So the you know, notice goes up at the courthouse and then the following month, um, the property gets auctioned off. So it's, it's a quicker process. Within 30 days, it gets auctioned mm -hmm. off. And so we thought, you know, this would, Texas would be a great market for that, right? And so I that's see. what led us to moving to Texas. So Sean and I sold everything that we had in New Mexico and we moved to Texas just for that reason. Um, and, and when you moved to Texas, is that when you bought the franchise? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Okay. So it, it, yeah, still, it kind of goes with it. So 
Um, so we're in Texas buying foreclosure houses, right? And under like, under what brand? Under what brand? Brand company, right there. Mountain View Properties, still. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you're doing yeah. that. And yeah. so when we moved to Texas, the very first property that I bought here in Texas, the the gentleman opens the door. And I'm coming up to him and say, hey, you know, Mr. Smith, uh, I'm here to help you out with your house. And the guy slams a door on my face and, or he's like, and, and then he opens it up. He's like, you have the audacity to knock on my door. And my face just froze. I was like, oh, uh, what do I do? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, there was plenty of people that, you know, but at the end of the day, like the really good ones we were able to help out in their situation and we had to we knocked on lots and lots and lots of doors um but it was and that was the that was the that was the primary revenue driving activity was getting those lists knock on the doors that was that was your main revenue driver we did that for probably a good 10 to 12 years was was pre-foreclosures Right. And on average, could you flip it just by buying it or you always had to invest a little bit in it, like paint or carpet or whatever? Yeah, at that point, you would you actually would do a rehab, of, you know, okay. cosmetic rehab, paint, carpet, okay. tile, uh, make it look nice for a retail buyer to buy. OK. And of course, right. when you moved to Texas, you had to find all new all new guys to do that stuff for you. you had all to find new, new vendors. Yeah. yeah. New I mean, vendors. You had to, you had nobody. To, yeah. So yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a bit, but we did it. Because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm not a real estate expert by any means, but having great vendors, reliable people that you know, like, hey, man, this house needs a new roof, or hey, they need new carpet, or hey, the basement, I want to redo the basement on this one. Like having a team or a couple of vendors you can really depend on, that's critical, right? Yeah, relationships like that. I mean, it's, it is it is critical. I'll give you an example. So my rehab crew has been with us since we moved to texas in 2005 they've okay. still they're still our rehab crew right okay. we used to actually buy properties in austin texas in shreveport louisiana our mm-hmm. guys would actually drive down to the city that we were buying in they would live in the house and fix it up well you know until we finished it these same guys interesting and you're still using the same outfit really huh? using the so i mean it's crucial these vendors if you need something they're on top of it. So yeah, it's crucial to have relationships. Okay. Now you're doing this and then what happens? Walk me through. So then, you, yeah. Yeah. Then, so right about 2008, 2009, I guess that's when the market started to change and I was getting ready to get pregnant. Right. And so, um, Sean and I were talking like, Hey, like we can't be flipping houses for the rest of our lives. We got to we got to do something else, right? It was it was harder and harder. To, if we put a house on the market, it was taking longer for it to sell retail. Mm-hmm. Um, inspections, going through the inspection process was just, you know, a nightmare for new homeowners, that kind of thing. And so we had been approached by some investors that said, hey, like, if you have a, a property that you would help us fix up, then we could, you know, rent it out. And then would you guys manage it for us? And so that's actually residential, residential or commercial. Yes. Residential. And so that's kind of where the concept came up with turnkey investing. And so Sean and I were like, yeah, well, this could work. I mean, if we fixed up the property, we could sell it to an investor who wants to keep it as a rental and then we can manage for that investor. And Mm. so we said, well, what's the worst that can happen? Right. Cause we, him and I are just like, we'll just dive into anything. We're like, what's the worst that can happen is that we have to, hold it ourselves as a rental property. Right. 
And so we did our first one and we sold it to an investor and it worked out great. And so we created this property management company out of nowhere um, just by the investors that we were selling the properties to because they needed somebody to manage the property, the investment for them. So let me just pause you. Let me pause you right there. So the the business model then is they're calling you saying, I want to invest in this property. And you're saying, okay, uh, my team, my vendors will fix it up. And you have your vendors fix it up and you have a little markup in there, I'm sure, to make a little bit of money after you pay your vendors. And then then they start paying you monthly to manage the property after that. Correct. Correct. So once they close and buy the property, then they they turn it over to us to manage it. So not only are we making a spread on the turnkey side of it, right, when we sell it to them, then we're also residual income on the property management side. Did you, when you sell it to them, so you have to buy it first and fix it up and then sell it to them? Correct. That And, and that's kind of what was appealing to them is because they didn't have, they didn't have to have any skin in the game, really. You know, all we had all the, um, the risk because uh, we were uh, the ones that were buying it, fixing it up. Geez. And then we would sell it to them when that was already rehabbed and everything. Did they so, find the, did they find the properties and tell you which ones they wanted you to buy? Or no, you we, did, we, you found, did we found the properties. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So this is, now you got this business. Now you got this business. It's rolling along. And now you, now you're like, Oh, we have Now we have a property management. Company. Exactly. But we had no, <laughs> we had no clue what we were doing on the property management side. I mean, we had the investment side of thing, but we had no clue what we were doing on the property management side. We were actually doing okay. things on, on like, you know, Excel spreadsheets yeah. on, you know, and it was, it was a mess. And so we thought, okay, we need to do something, right? I didn't want to reinvent the wheel again. And so we um, looked into the real property management franchise. We're like, Hey, you know, this is, okay. I think we really like the way they're set up, you know, okay. and they have all the systems the processes, everything systems. in place. Oh, so I we see. can just I like see. plug and play. Right. I see. And I see. so that's where we actually bought into the franchise model. Mm, okay. And, and how big are they? Do they have, how many franchises do they have? So they have about 350 franchises, you know, okay. nationwide. Okay. And um, yeah, I mean, we've been in, I think 11 years now. And now we have this really cool model where we sell turnkey properties. So we, ha- we manage about 1500 properties between two different markets. 1500. What are the two markets, Houston and what else? Houston, Texas and Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, so you, why why'd you why'd you pick Albuquerque? Because you want well, to because stick- that's kind of where we our roots are, right? We I born and raised in, in New Mexico, and yeah. so we still knew yeah. that market pretty well. And so we thought, hey, let's. Um, I, we have a lot of investors that want to diversify into different markets, so we want to have another market for them as well. Okay, now you've been in it for eleven years, so it must be okay because uh, you know some franchises are better than others. Um, but you guys were your own, you were owners, right? You were entrepreneurs basically your whole life. And then all of a sudden you had to like answer to somebody a little bit. I mean, I know owner of franchise is still kind of like owning your own business, but they can still call and kind of tell you what to do. Kind of like, how, how was that uncomfortable at first? Actually, it wasn't at all because it was actually a startup franchise. So it wasn't okay. like they were down our throats or anything like that. Okay. So okay. we actually are one of the flagship fran- uh, franchises. So mm. we kind of led the path. Uh, oh. So they would come to us for advice and whatnot when they would, you know, mm. restructure things. And so, yeah, t- it wasn't really, it was a startup. So it wasn't okay. like that. Did you call and tell them like, Hey, since we're a flagship and I help you build this thing, then our, 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 your, your cut, 
your cut is lowered now. I pay you less than all the rest of the franchise owners. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish it worked like that. Uh, do you and Sean have other LLC? Other you we do. Side so we, we actually, so we have five. Obviously, we're entrepreneur, serial entrepreneurs. So we yes. have five businesses. We have um, obviously our property management companies, our investment company, right? Okay. Um, and then we have our, a plumbing company in Albuquerque, um, uh-huh. Mr. Ruder Plumbing of Albuquerque. And Mr. Actually, Ruder, so it's a sir, it's a service. You don't, so that's not a, you don't use that. Do you use that LLC to service real property management or no? Yeah, we do. They, they service our plumbing in, in Albuquerque. Uh-huh. So you're building your own, you're building your own vendors. My, yep. <laughs> I'm building my own empire over here, right? <laughs> okay, plumbing business. And do you want to do you want to call that out? Do you want to what what is the what's the web what's the URL for that? Uh, Mr. Ruder Plumbing of Albuquerque.com. Okay, there. Very good. Another shout out for the LLCs. By the way, Rider yeah. Flex, Rider Flex now gets 10% of everything you earn from this point on since you were on the podcast. <laughs> so I just want to make sure you knew that. Uh, what else you own? What else you so got? So the, the coolest part of those. So the last one that I own is actually pretty awesome. So I own a virtual assistant company. Um, oh, and are, okay. are you familiar with you? Obviously, you're probably familiar with virtual assistants. Oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. all, we also mm-hmm. call them remote team members. Right. Okay. And okay. so one of the biggest reasons why we've been able to scale all of our our companies is with the use of virtual assistants. So ah. we have 30 virtual assistants that work in our companies in every different company, uh, all based out of Mexico. OK. And all so, right. you know, we have been um, and that's I mean, it's been great. We've been able to, you know stay lean and and be profitable, all that good stuff. And so we had other companies come to us and say, Hey, we need you to help us, you know, service some, we need to buy the VAs. And so we started a VA company out of Mexico. So um, yeah, that that, that was pretty awesome. Do all of your LLCs or S corps, whatever, roll up into a parent organization or you keep it separate? How are you doing? We keep it separate. Every entity is separate. Okay. And, and do you and Sean have it split? Like, Hey, you oversee this one, he oversees that one, or do you teamwork all of them or how does that work? You know, working together for that long for 20, obviously we've been together for 25 years. So yeah, I mean, you have to find your role within the company. Right. And so Sean leads the, uh, build to rent our investment company. Um, and then, um, I run the property management and the virtual assistant company. I see. And when he gets over in your business, are you like, hey, man, this, you're in my area. You're in my space. It used to be like that. But now we know like, OK, you know better. <laughs> I don't mess with your stuff and you don't mess with mine, but we do communicate. Obviously, we're partners in this together. So we still have a separate meeting where we communicate everything together. What's your advice for couples working together as far as turning it off, so to speak, when you're at home? and 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 trying to, okay, like, let's not talk about business 24-7. Yeah, good question. There? I mean, it, it. so, you know, being a business owner, obviously you feel like you have to do everything yourself, right? And I didn't learn that, learned that about five years ago that, hey, like, in order to scale this thing, you need a team. And so now that I have my virtual assistants and the rest of my team handling it, um, we get off work at five every day. So we're home with the kids. When we get home, our phones go in the bowl or, you know, everything goes in the bowl. So we're not looking at our cell phones. We're not reading emails. We are a hundred percent engaged in the kids. Right. And weekends, we don't, you know, 
work or anything like that, because again, it's our time. Like if I'm at work, I'm putting a hundred percent, but if I'm at home, I'm putting in a hundred percent. And that's for all couples that are, you know, listening to this is you have to, you have to separate it because if not, it's going to drain you. When you go to dinner with your husband, phones down when you're at a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Phones are down, uh, you know, no social media, anything like that. We're engaged in, you know, the conversation and uh, yeah, that's, that's how we've been able to do it. Super important. Um, Okay. That's a good segue into social media. So the reason you and I got connected is because I think you guys do a pretty good job with your social media. And I, I see you seeing you popping up and I see your stuff and the, the, the uh, YouTube or the uh, podcast. And I'm like, okay, what, what's going on here? I, I I'm seeing Joni all over the place. I don't see Sean as much, but uh, I've seen you pop up and we're always looking for podcast guests, you know, for rider flex that want to share their cool entrepreneurial story. And so I kind of looked at your situation. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. Let's, let's get Joni on the phone. My, my point is, Talk to us about your social media strategy for, for business and and what you're doing and maybe give some advice for the listeners. Go ahead. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm obviously not a social media expert, but what I found is that I what, what I like to do best is provide value to my listeners out there. So whether they're, you know, getting into real estate, whether they're getting into being an entrepreneur or, you know, just just being a woman in business whatever it is. So every day I try to make an effort of, of recording some kind of content for my listeners. Right. And I use that as the social media to post in. And so my listeners can, can view that. So, um, and then obviously I have the podcast as well, which I post um, on the different platforms, but my goal with all this is to provide as much value as I can out there. And do you do daily posts uh, just yourself, like daily tips or something like that? And where do those go? Yeah, so I do actually do daily posts and you'll like this. So my virtual assistant, which is my actually my executive assistant, is the one that actually does the post on social media. So okay. she man, I don't manage it all at all. So yeah. she'll tell me, hey, Joni, I'm doing this. I'm like, great. It looks good. And then she, you know, uploads it. What's the daily po- is the daily post? Uh, inside the wolf's den or that's Joni or how is that? Marketing? Yeah. So my Instagram, which is Joni M wolf. And yeah, most of that is inspirational, motivational stuff throughout the day. Uh, and then I have uh, my Facebook channel, which is Joni M wolf Swinkle, which I post uh, my podcast and video content that I, I uh, shoot every day. And then why aren't you, why aren't you putting those on LinkedIn every day? I do put it on LinkedIn as well. So it is on there, but it's only on my business pages on LinkedIn, obviously. It's only on the business page. I see. It's not. Okay. Cause I was going to say, I was looking at your personal LinkedIn page and I, and you're not, you're not posting there. Yeah. I don't, I don't post as much on my personal page, but all of our business stuff is posted on there. Okay. Very good. So I think what I heard you say is social media can be great to market your business, but the key is to make sure you're providing value uh, for the listeners so they can learn something. Absolutely. It's all, it's gotta be value. Yeah. It, it, it has to be right. I mean, it's, I totally agree. Couldn't agree more. And, uh, I think that's a good lesson for anybody listening to this episode. Like if you're just posting shit to get likes because you want to spark a conversation on some hot topic, I mean, that's not really providing value. I mean, you want right. to, you want to give you want to give something to the listener they can learn from and, and give them a reason to return. Right. Absolutely. Um, 
what are your thoughts on uh, CEOs for companies going on social media and picking sides on hot political social topics? And, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I'm not, I, I don't get very political. So, you know, anytime I see political stuff, I'm like, scroll, 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 you know, like I don't get into that mess because I know it, it's upset, it upsets people. And so I kind of stay neutral is my advice. Yeah. I think that's, I personally think that's best when you uh, own a business uh, Yeah. because um, first of all, you don't want to piss off your clients or your, your customers or your vendors or your employees, right? Because yeah. everybody, Every, everybody everybody's has entitled to an opinion, right? Whether it's right or wrong, you might not agree with it, but um, it, it does no good to, you know, bash anybody and, and be vocal about it. Um, you know, uh, and, and you can, if you want, but I, I like to stay neutral. Do you think Instagram, do you think your Instagram page drives some res- revenue? I'm sure it does. It does. Especially like, because we, we post a lot of like property management stuff and property management is kind of local. So okay. I've, you know, I, I've kind of been the local expert in my industry here in Houston, you mm-hmm. know, with um, just with my Instagram posts, getting invited to speak on panels and speaking on stage, those kind of things. And so I think it really, really helps. You spend a lot of time on it. You invest time on it. It's part of your revenue driving activities. Instagram's owned by Facebook. What are your thoughts on Facebook having the power to just turn off profiles anytime they want to, in case you post something they don't like? What are your thoughts on that? I, I kind of laugh because I have friends that, you know, they're just, they say something and they're like, oh, I got shut off or something, you know, I'm like, <laughs> Well, I mean, you kind of did it to yourself. Like, you know, I get it. Like, you, they, ha- they have to monitor them, right? Because mm-hmm. um, they're, also, they're also protecting themselves, too. So, I mean, I don't, like I said, <laughs> I'm neutral when it comes to that stuff. Okay, very good. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting topic, right? I, um, they control so much information, right? Facebook and Google control so much information. They do. Uh, the power for them to just, I mean, the power for the power of Google who owns YouTube to just turn off inside the wolf's den anytime they want, in case you say something they don't like. It's a little bit scary. Uh, yeah. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, a little bit scary. Make sure I you don't see. If it happened to me, I probably would be on the other and say, hey, like, that's not right. Right. But <laughs> again, right. I'm very calculated also with what, uh, you know, what I say. You strike me as being very calculated in almost everything you do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, if, you know, your people in your office, they probably, you you would make me feel, uh, out of shape. If I was around you every day, I would feel guilty every time I picked up a cheeseburger or something. I'd be like, okay, there's Joni. She's making me feel, uh, overweight right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I mean, and part of what we do here. So anybody that works for me is wanting to improve their life at some point. Like we do a I, yes. ton of self-improvement in my company. Cool. Like we read books together you know, we, um, we have a thing where it's, uh, we call it noon timers, where we teach investing classes, you know, to our employees, we help our employees buy properties if they want to. Oh. So, you know, if, if you work for me, you know, that you want to improve your life. So, um, you know, there, there our, our team here is constantly leveling up. So what I hear you saying is if you go to work for you and Sean, 
and you're like a lazy person that didn't want to improve, you're probably not going to work there very long. Exactly. <laughs> and they, they're the ones that probably will quit because they feel uncomfortable because, gotcha. you know, we are here. We're, we're just wanting to improve every, every part of our life, fitness, you know, uh, <clears throat> self-development, like reading books, all of that. We're, we're here to improve. Do you tell them, do you tell people in the interview, you say, Hey, look, this is our culture. Let me, let me yeah. tell you about our culture. You tell them. When would they come in for an interview? We show them what, you know, this is, this is who we are. You know, if you're uncomfortable with that. It's probably not the place for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How many employees you got? So we have total, we have 50, but that includes with the virtual assistant. So I have about 30 virtual assistants and then the rest um, are on-premise employees. Okay. What's your favorite thing about being a business owner and what do you uh, dislike the most? So my favorite thing is having, you know, time to really do what I want. Like if I want to go on vacation, I can go on vacation. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I think what I dislike, and I think I've learned to like it is to, I love leading people. Um, I hate the drama of HR (laughs) and having to, you know, fire people and all that headache, but I don't do it anymore. I had to do it at one point, obviously as a business owner, you've done everything, you know, but uh, that was my least favorite is having to deal with that. Now you have like a manager or something that that handles the HR and terminations and all that. Yeah. We have a whole um, HR department that, that does all of that. So um, you know, which is cool. Cause then I don't have to, I don't have to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. We, uh, we're up to 24 recruiters now at Riderflex, and we have a, uh, we have a VP of talent acquisition who oversees the contractors. Right. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm just now at a point, we're at a point where I just say, Marcy, just take care of it. You're, you're the one that can tell you, I don't, I don't have to do it anymore. You, you can, you can call and tell them they don't work here anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I can do it. I have, you yeah. know, thick skin, but I don't like to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The people piece is, uh, it's, it's interesting about employees, right? I always say the most uh, inspirational part about being a, a company owner is the people that you have and the ability to change their lives and, and help them pay for a home and send their kids to school and give them a job. And that is, a wonderful thing, but it's also the biggest pain in the ass when there's drama and all the rest of the stuff. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> correct. Yeah. I couldn't okay. agree more. So what's the plan for you guys? What, what are you going to, you going to sell all this stuff someday? Are you just going to, is it a, is it a, just a lifestyle business that's going to take you guys into your sixties or what, what's the plan? You know, so Sean and I, obviously, you can see that we're pretty driven, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in startup new companies. And so I, I don't know. I, th- I think we'll keep riding. And we have a great little thing going on here. Okay. And it works well. And I, I'm too young to retire. So yep. you know, I have my own rental properties. And so I think that we're up to like 50 rental properties in our portfolio ourselves. So I think I'll continue to, you know, uh, maybe pay some of those off and Eventually, that'll be my retirement. But for now, I think we're just going to keep riding it along. I have two last questions for you because we're almost out of time. But before I get to them, will you tell us a good tell, tell us a good nightmare rental story? Tell us like, I don't know, a really quick one, like this crazy ass renter that was psycho and I don't know, something. Give me something. A psycho good. story. So let's uh, see. 
Well, I'll tell you a, a horror story. So we, okay. uh, yeah, actually I'll, 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 I have a different one actually. It, it kind of okay. leads to that though. So um, it was a, actually a lady that we bought a house from. She, um, she, she, uh, she had like some illness or something, but okay. she had no family member, nothing. Right. And so she was living in the house by herself with, with no electric, no water, nothing. And this lady was a hoarder. I mean, she had, I mean, you go into her house and she, her, her, I mean, it was piled up to like the ceiling of stuff. Um, and so when I went out, I couldn't even get a vendor to go out there because they were so scared that they would, you know, there would be a, there, there was a snake in there actually, but they were so afraid to even touch that thing. And so we had to, we probably had hired maybe like three or four different trash guys just to help her trash that thing out. By the end of it, we had like five, you know, those big, huge dumpsters. We had like five big dumpsters to trash that whole entire house out. This lady was sitting in the dumpster, picking stuff out of the dumpster. (laughs) And I'm like, that is... I'm sorry. I had to like tell her, Hey, That's, look, like and it's hard because she's been living there and this is, these are her possessions. Right. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. um, to get her out of that situation was, it was hard and to see that house. Oh, it was so bad. Like I have never been in such a bad house where Oof. I mean, Oof. it just reeked and it was Oof. gross. Wow. It is a sickness, I guess. Right. I don't know if it's a, um, Quarters. I mean, I guess it's a mental illness, right? I'm not an expert on it, so I, I don't know. But it's, um, it is a sickness of some kind, right? Whether they're afraid of, of they might need it or whatever, whatever the thing yeah. is that you're talking yeah. about. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, I bet you uh, we could do a whole other episode on crazy. Oh gosh, there's 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 tons of stories I can tell you. <laughs> every day is a story. There's something every day in our industry uh what yeah i'm sure you've evicted people there's been all kinds of stuff i'm sure oh yes yeah <laughs> and, and in texas too like you have um so if you evict a tenant right and you say you get a ward of the eviction at the courthouse and we uh you actually have to hire a constable get a writ of possession to get the tenants out but literally the constable will get there and be like, all right you have five hours to get your stuff out. If you don't have, if you don't get your stuff out in five hours, then our vendors are putting it on the, on the curb. So, I mean, it's. Have you, uh, there's, 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 Texas. Probably, there's probably some emotional, have you ever had a situation where the constable, do you, do you go with the constable? Do you, do you, have you ever shown up and been there when this is going down or no? Yeah. Yeah. I've been okay. there. Yep. Have you ever had that situation? And then like some lady opens the door and she's got like three little children and they're all malnourished and you're like, okay, I'm kicking this family out. And then you're, and then you're having personally, you're having an emotional reaction about it. Has that happened? So let me tell you a story. So I had, um, during COVID, you know, where eviction moratorium was going on, you, you couldn't evict tenants, even if you tried, right. I I mean, it was, it was tough. And so something that my company did, and I led that was we did a cash for keys. So basically we would, cause I had ex- tons of experience, you know, negotiating and, and I mean, well, I knocked on pre foreclosure doors for a decade. Right. right and so right. what I did was a different strategy, which a lot of property management companies wouldn't do is I would actually, actually go door to door knocking on these tenants houses and be like, Hey, look, like, I understand your situation and I understand it's not good for anybody, 
but at the end of the day, you're going to be evicted, right? And so rather than you having an eviction on your record and you having to go through this process and it's emotional and you having to get kicked out by a constable, all of that, why don't you let me help you out? And I will give you a portion of your security deposit. That way you can use that to go find something else. And so I did a lot of cash for keys during that time. Um, which I mean, tenants were happy because, hey, like we we helped them out of their situation. Owners were happy because then we didn't have to go years without the tenants making not making mm-hmm. payments. Right. Because mm-hmm. time is money. As we can get in there, get the make ready completed and get it back on the market, then it's producing income again. Mm-hmm. And so I had a situation like that where I had a tenant where I did a cash for keys. You know, I went in there and she, she said, yeah, Joey, let's go ahead and do it. I'll be out at noon. I come at noon and still nothing has moved. And so I'm like, hey, look, like you told me to come back at noon. And so had you, I'm had you already them. given her the cash? No, not yet, because that's okay. the agreement. The agreement is that they have to broom sweep claim the property and it's got to be a totally vacant and hand over the keys before they get their money. Okay. And so I come back at noon. I'm like, this lady's not going to move. So I'm actually physically helping her pack her stuff. And, you know, helping her box up her stuff and, and, and put it in the U-Haul took me hours and hours. And these kids, they're small children, had no clue what's going on. They're put, they're probably like two, five and like seven years old, putting their stuff in, you know, trash bags. It, it was sad to see, mm. but at the end of the day, like they got money out of it and they, they weren't evicted from the property. So mm. but yeah, you see a lot of that. Well, it sounds like you're working hard to try and help people in that situation, which is great. So you're yes, you're doing everything you can to help them, which is which is wonderful. Right. And it's not ideal for anybody, right? But at the end of the day, that's it's what's best. Understood. Two final questions. I know we're almost out of time. If you could, well, let's see, what year did you graduate college? I know how old you are. I can just do the math, right? So you're, how old are you? You can just, you got your year that you graduated. I actually just weekend. celebrated my 41st birthday on the 8th. Oh, wow. International okay. Women's Day. Yes. Wow. All right. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Thank you. If you could call the 19 year old and tell her anything now, based on what you've learned so far, what would you tell her? What I would say is that no matter what background you've come from, no matter, you know, uh, where you're at in life, like push yourself to do what you want to do and, and and be the best version of yourself. Right. Because I think at the end of the day, uh, us as women, we have challenges and where, you know, we have to be the perfect mom and we can't go work out in the workforce and that kind of thing. And I think that, um, you know, that's BS. Like you can do, anything that you put your mind to. Right. Um, and that's kind of why I wrote my book. I wrote, uh, this book last year is one of my big aha moments, right? It's the choice is yours, balancing success as a wife, mom, and entrepreneur. Can because- you hold it up to the camera? Can you give me, give me a closer shot in the camera? Can you scoot up just a little bit or no? Oh yeah. Yeah. Th- th- there we go. Let me see. Okay, the, the choice is yours. Okay. Very good. Is it on Amazon as a wife, mom, and entrepreneur. So okay. it shares a lot about my journey, you know, where I've come and overcome and, and choices that I've made in life to get me to where I'm at today. So again, put yourself out there and, you know, don't let fear hold you back. Is it on Amazon? Can you buy it on Amazon? It is on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. And did you have a ghostwriter or you did it yourself? How'd you do it? 
I did do it myself. Uh, you know, obviously I hired an editor to help me, you know, kind of structure okay. it, but yeah. Self-published? Self-published. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. You got two kids, five businesses. You're writing a book. You're doing freaking uh, bikini contests. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you are driven. Again, it's, all, it's all about balance, right? And, and I have an incredible team, so I couldn't do... Wow what I do right now without my team. So congratulations, Joni, uh, to you and Sean and your, all your team members, your family. Awesome. Congrats on everything you're doing over there. Really, really cool stuff. Thank you. Thank you.